Welcome to the 9320 podcast, where we find it incredible to believe that it has been a full decade since the greatest moment in English football history, when Pablo Zabaleta scored the winner in our 1-0 victory over QPR (laughs) to give us our first title in 44 years. Today, we'll be discussing uh, some important action to come over the weekend, as well as a few other bits and pieces. Uh, And to join me in that today, we've got Steve. Hi, Steve. How are we doing? I'm good, mate. What are you doing in my chair? Get out of my chair. <laughs> Just keeping it warm for a couple of hours. I'm sure it's going to be a very busy chair over uh, the course of today. Yeah, it's uh, And we also have Liz. Liz, are you okay? I'm fine. Not too bad. Bit early, but it's all right. <laughs> Bit early. Lots of caffeine needed, but we'll get there. Oh, don't drink any. Um, oh, well, it is early then in that case. Very early. Um, yeah, so I thought... Um, Obviously, it's been a, it's been a busy few days for the Blues, uh, and obviously today is a very special day as well. Uh, so I'm sure we'll get to that as well. Um, but I thought we could just start with a quick overview of, of the Wolves' performance um, and the result. I'll start with you, Liz. Um, obviously, the scoreline in the end, I don't think any of us were expecting, or maybe you were. Um, what was your assessment of of, of the game on uh, uh, midweek? How did you find it? Oh, I, I never expected. A big scoreline ever. Um, my dad, I was every time I call him after the match, he's like, oh, I didn't expect that when it's, you know, four or five. I'm like, well, yeah, maybe we should expect that. Um, I thought it was actually a really beautiful performance. And I and I, and I remember thinking when the third goal went in, when Kevin scored the third goal, it was like a beautiful strike that you could just watch all day long. I thought, this is a guy who's still really, really angry about Real Madrid. <laughs> That's what I thought. I mm. thought, okay. He's still really, really upset. <laughs> He's going to whack this ball sort of, you know, way into the back of Molyneux is what's happened. So it was just a really good performance. <laughs> it wasn't perfect. Um, he did actually give the ball away a reasonable amount after he scored. But it was just like that was the kind of attacking prowess that you really, really need to see and that you should be getting into that kind of form at this time of the season. As long as you just score more than the rest, I think we'll be all right. I think the defensive disaster is unbelievably bad. So we've just got to keep going. Yeah. Definitely. Um, Steve, obviously, we call him Big Game Kev. It's hmm. big game. Um, it's big game time, isn't it? Coming to the business end of the season, very much so. Um, I mean, 25 minute hat trick. I mean, I'm, it's been discussed on the pod already in detail this week, but what? what we're running out of superlatives, aren't we? What, what can you say? Unbelievable. Well, wasn't it? yeah, from, from my perspective, it was the Kevin De Bruyne show, but then I was speaking to a, a guy last night, an Everton fan who's in his 80s. And he said, um, he goes, that City performance, particularly in that first half of the night, that's the best football I've seen in my whole life. And I said, oh, Kevin De Bruyne, I know he's from another planet, isn't he? He said, no, 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 no. He was magnificent, of course. He said, the whole team, the way that you played, that was unbelievable football. And and it just made me realise that perhaps we were so distracted by Kev's brilliance that it was a thoroughly professional and brilliant performance from the team. Um, and it should not be overlooked, by the way, to beat Wolves 5-1 away. They don't yeah. do that. I mean, they'd never do that, you know, going back to no. their championship days. So when we really needed the three points, and when we were all probably saying beforehand, you know, 1-0 today would be amazing, um, City have just broke a top-flight English record of all time. Because um, for five consecutive games, they've won by the three-plus goals margin. No team has ever done that before in English football in the top flight. And this is at a stage of the season where, what what was it, three, four years ago, we were winning 1-0 and 
1-0, and it was tense and it was tight and we were just trying to get over the line past Liverpool. This time, we are pulverising teams. So, yeah. you know, as good as Kev was, as amazing as Kev was, that, that shouldn't be overlooked, I don't think. Yeah, no, good point. I I was there the other night with my friend and my friend does kind of have a key key eye for the rhythms that we play and, and he was waxing lyrical about Gundogan mm. who, who'd come in and he was kind of just picking up the mantle of go, kind of goes as the unsung hero this time of year doesn't he just slots in and keeps things ticking so yeah. fantastic performance um, responded well to, to the goal as well didn't we so good performance but it would be a miss to say it wasn't all positive obviously um, uh, Americ Laporte had a, a nasty knock to his knee um, and and it appears that Fernandinho also went off with some sort of muscular injury, which, um, as we know, leaves us extremely uh, light, shall we say, in the defensive area uh, going into the game on Sunday. Where, Liz, I'll start with you. Where do you think that leaves us with team selection? Because obviously, we let's be clear, we've got a dilemma going on. A Pep's conference is today, is it not? So we, we hope to, to hear mm. about where we're at with, with Laporte and Fernandinho, but... What, where, how do you see the the team selection specifically defensively? Well, I'd, obviously, you know, Fernandinho, you know, um, the muscular injury is very different from an impact injury. So there's a pretty reasonable chance that the ball will be okay because it's not like he's got any ligament trouble or anything like that. So that I, I'm feeling a tiny bit more hopeful. If it's just the knock, it was a nasty knock, a completely accidental knock. But every time they showed it on Match of the Day, I just sort of cringed and looked away. So that was quite mm. difficult to watch. Um, Fernandinho, I honestly don't think would have played today. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, against West Ham anyway, because you know how he's played quite a lot recently. Yeah. I mean, he played you know played against Real Madrid. He played last week. He played the match before. He is thirty-seven. I really don't think he would have started in any event two games in a week. I don't think so. So I'm, uh, that's not going to make much of a difference. I wouldn't think. But Laporte yeah, might be all right. Point. And if he's not, then you know, uh, Rodri will do a job. With Ake, and you know we'll have a Rodri Ake central. We've had worse central defensive partnerships. <laughs> let's be honest. Let's be brutally honest. You know we were okay. I mean, Cancelo's like the last man standing, basically, of the whole thing. Um, Tinchenko's really, really doing well, I and mean, he's not a defender by trade. That's not what he. That's not what he does for a living. That's not what he prefers to do. He's really a midfielder who never ever gets to play in midfield because he can't possibly. You know, outshine it. By the way, going back to Gundogan, I think you're absolutely right. I think he's a remarkable player, and he doesn't get the credit he deserves from anybody except City fans. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I think we'll be fine in defence. I think we just you just got to score more. You know what can you do? Antonio's gonna, you know, he would have bullied Diaz, let alone anybody else. Yeah, it's very much a handful. I think you make a good point. It's time to kind of roll out the Kevin Keegan playbook, isn't it? You score <laughs> yeah. two, we'll yeah. score three. Um, Steve. What's your assessment on that? How do you see it? I think you've just kind of nailed it with the Kevin Keegan analogy. I think it really we'll does dust it off. It. It's, in, it's in the bowels of the Etihad somewhere. That, that scrap. <laughs> yes. we'll I mean, there's no way of us knowing, of course, about Laporte. There's no way of us knowing about Ferner. Um, but should both of them be out, then Nathan Ake is half fit. He's not fully fit. I mean, he's available to play, but, you know, he's not 100% fit. So we could be looking at a half fit Nathan Ake and Rodri kind of reimagined as a centre-back. And that's, you know, players like Antonio and Jared Bowen, who scored 10 goals this season, they're going to be licking their lips at that prospect. So it's not ideal. And then we go back to what I you know, talked about earlier, about the amount of goals we're scoring, where really, if that is the case, if we do have this reconfigured defence, 
we've just got to go for it. We've just got to score more than West Ham. Thankfully, as we'll get to shortly, we tend to do that against West Ham. We've got a very yeah. good record against them. Um, but at this time of the season, oh man, this is just the worst possible time to endure a ridiculous injury crisis. Um, and by the way, it's one that if it does cost us the title, and I know I'm going to an extreme there, but if it does, it'll only be City fans mentioning it. Whereas, you know, you look back at Liverpool and them missing a couple of their centre-backs uh, a couple of seasons ago, it, it was like front-page news. So, um, yeah, let, let's wait and see on what Pep says today. I suspect Laporte won't be available. I suspect Fernandinho will, but we'll have to wait and see. It almost feels as though we're, we're approaching the marathon finishing line with a limb missing to me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's so close, isn't it, that we have to back them now to, to, to find the reserves to get over the line. Um, so, obviously, moving on to West Ham then. So, you, see, you, picked, you, you mentioned it there in, briefly. Since the opening of the London Stadium, City have got an incredibly good record there, specifically in terms of the amount of goals we've scored mm. defensively. Um, West Ham themselves have had an interesting season. I think they've been in the race for the top four up until around realistically the last couple of months, and they've kind of put all their eggs into the basket of, of the Europa League, uh, where they went out uh, last week. Um, we know as with our own travails in, in the Europa League, when back with Hamburg, etc., it can go one or two ways. Your season can either fizzle out once once you, once you uh, drop out of that, or you can almost be galvanised to secure the best European football you can with the games remaining. How, how do you see West Ham? Where do you see the, their mentality, if you will? Well, we responded to going out of Europe by battering Norwich for, you know, 4-0. Um, so that shows kind of how, where they are kind of psychologically. You're absolutely right before that. They, they were distracted by the kind of European adventures. And it, it has cost them, possibly cost them a top six spot. However, you know, if they get a result this weekend, because we've got a game in hand on United, then they're right back in contention for top six. So, yeah, it's it's, it's really hard to call, actually, because we've got such a good record against them, but it is a different West Ham this season. They're far more together under David Moyes. The fan base are now connected once again to the club. Um, When they play at home, they've got a good home record, um, certainly in the last few months, because there's an atmosphere now, there's a belief there now, there's there's a unification there, which wasn't there before. Um, and they've got you know some outstanding footballers. So and they play as a collective as well. So you put all those together, and you put together their you know you include their motivation to finish top six. And it's anything but easy this weekend. I mean, this is a real tough one. And so many of our we did it. Liverpool fans did it. Everyone did it. We were all thinking Wolves Molyneux. That's going to be the hard one. This is a hard one. Yeah, that's what I, I honestly I didn't think Wolves Molyneux was the hard one. I mean, I'm not saying I don't think it would be hard. It's obviously a, t- a place that we've lost quite a lot, quite oh. a lot. But I always thought West Ham away was going to be the real, the real game that was yeah. really incredibly complex and a huge fifty thousand crowd and you know everyone going mad and they've had an amazing season. You know, it's a free, to use FPL parlance, it's a free hit for them. You know, yes. they just <laughs> may as well have a go. There's no reason not to, you know, they probably think they're going to lose, you know, they've got to have a go. So, and I think West Ham are really good. And Antonio, who hadn't scored for about 10 weeks, uh, scored last week. Yeah. So that's just the kind of form that I don't really need. And also, what's his name? Yeah, the other guy um, uh, who scored a bunch of goals. See, this is what I mean about the early morning. Uh, That player who scored loads of goals, whose name begins with O. There you go, Jarabone. He also had sort of a... 
is really, really a good player and had a sort of dip. I think he got injured and he was out for a little bit of time. So he has now come back and he's now very, very fresh going in towards the end of the season. So, you know, it's the same as anything else. You can't really worry. I, this is what I... I don't worry about how anybody else plays, ever. I just worry about how we play. And if we play and do our game and do our do the work, play our game, we'll be okay. You can't really worry about how anybody else does it. You just, the manager's always like that as well. You've just got to worry about how you play. Mm. Well, with that said, then, that brings us on nicely to, to what we're to discuss next. Obviously, we, we know what West Ham's strengths are and, and where they can cause you issues. Um, I touched on it that potentially they could well be on the beach now. I mean, realistically, I don't think they're going to finish any lower than seventh, I want to say. Liz, where, where do you see City? I think it's fairly obvious we're going to go from the jugular from the first minute. Um, how do you see it? Where, where are we going to win this game? Uh, the obvious place to start is Kev De Bruyne um, because when he's in the form that he's in, then he is the best player in the world for me. Um, you know, when he's in this form. We've got the best player in the world right now. <laughs> so, of course, any game, any opposition, then you go into it with confidence. I suspect Jack Grealish will feature. Uh, he's yeah. really improved of late. Well, it's not even so much that he's improved. He's just becoming more... He's relaxing into the, the Jack of his Villa days. Um and also assimilating what he's learned so far under Pep. So we're seeing glimpses now of the Jack Grealish we'll see next season, and that's really exciting. Um, it's a really hard one to call as regards to who plays in the front three. Um, Phil Foden will, will start, I believe. Um, Sterling was looking sensational uh, in, a, in the previous couple of games, but he was really poor at Wolves. And I know he scored a goal, and I know he won 5-1, but it has to be said that Raz was was poor that evening. So I don't know if that is a factor. Um, yeah. It's a big picture as well, isn't it, West Ham? Yeah. yeah made for, for Mara's maybe. Yes. I was actually going to talk about enough. Jesus. I was going to say that this is just the kind of game that Jesus is really, really a great fit for up front yeah, because he's the one who does all the work. He's the one who runs and every, covers every blade of grass, you know. Um, it's actually incredibly unfair, by the way, that Ronaldo won the uh, Player of the Month for scoring four goals, which were of no import to anybody and didn't achieve anything. And Jesus got six goals and an assist and got absolutely nothing. So, you know, I think Jesus is uh, is one of those players that gets really underrated. I'm not entirely happy at the idea of him going to Arsenal, potentially, but I understand that he no. wants to play every week and he can't do that at our place, especially now, not with Alvarez and all that, all those people coming in. So, you know, I think uh, Jesus is actually a really good fit for West Ham. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts. Well, with that said, then, I mean, I think it's now impossible to predict how we're going to line up defensively, Liz. Um, but how would you go with your midfield and attack if you're in Pep's usual? I think at this stage of the season, you've really got to see who feels okay and who's sort of a bit tired and maybe someone needs a rest for the final push of the final game of the season. So, you know, it's uh, sort of, for example, you know, Bernardo or Foden, you know, um, they both, you know, they both look good, but they, you know, they look a tiny bit tired. T- Foden, in particular, I also didn't think had a sort of massive influence on on Wednesday. Um, and Sterling, you know, uh, he's never tired, so that's a sort of always an argument for putting Sterling in, even and he could always play himself back into form. I mean, he worked incredibly hard. He was just, I thought he was just a bit unlucky, and he's got a bit of a concentration problem, hasn't he, uh, on Wednesday? Yeah, so I wouldn't definitely. go, I wouldn't go against Sterling actually to start again and to give him another go. Um, I'd seems Bernardo seems undroppable. I know, 
uh, Gundogan also, I think, should absolutely stay. And I think I, one of my favourite City players, actually. So I'm always going to say he should stay. And I just think he's he's an extremely intelligent person, an extremely intelligent player. Um, Kev, you know, so yeah, let's see. I, I I quite like a midfield three myself. You know, I know it's sort of what you know instead of just Rodri and Kevin and four attackers. I don't think you'd be doing that away from home <laughs> with two games to go at the end of the season. So I think um, let's have three attackers. I think I think at the front, and um, we'll see where we are. I, you know, it's hard to say, really, isn't it? But um, I think anyone, when anyone can do a job, I, I don't think it was like that you know, five six years ago where if we lost a, a key player, we'd sort of collapse a little bit. I don't think that happens anymore, which is really fantastic. I think Gundo will start because I think mm. Rodri will be rested. If Ferner is, is available, then, you know, he's not going to be 100% fit. Nathan Ake is not 100% fit. Um, Pep has just got an aversion to play in any of the, of the kind of, you know, academy players in a game of his stature. He's yeah. just, he's not going to do that. Well, for fact. the same reason, that's, he won't rest Rodri though. He can't. Can well, he? I, I think he'll, <laughs> I think he'll play Gundo in, in, as a holder. And I think Rodri will be on the bench just basically as a backup centre back if Ferner starts. Otherwise, obviously Rodri will be at the back and then, in which case Gundo will be holding because Ferner will be injured. So, Either way, I, I do think Rodri will be benched, I think, um, at the weekend. I mean, I might very well be proven wrong, but I think he's so key right now. Um, we can't afford to not have him available. Let's say he starts in midfield and he picks up a knock. What you do there at the back? We've got no options there at the back. So, well, arguably, you'd say, look at this game. This is the game that this is a must win game. Yeah. Because I think, you know, at home, no offense to Villa, at home to Villa, you know, we should be God. We should be able to. You know, get a draw. <laughs> you no. know, get a draw to win the title. But I, you know, the importance of West Ham can't can't be underestimated. And I really don't think that Fernandinho will play. Not just because he's picked up a sort of muscular problem, which is usually a bad sign, but because he's you know he's the he's nearly as old as I am, Steve. <laughs> I'm not really sure that two games in a week, or is it three games? Three games in a week at mm. that age. Oh dear, I don't know it's, about that. It's not ideal. I mean, I think. I kind of disagree with you. I think he will play if he's fit, but I completely agree that it's not ideal. And, and Pep yeah. will not want this in a million years. But I think through necessity, uh, that may, will be the case. But I don't want I don't him to make a mistake. That would be just like that would break my heart. Oh, if Fernandinho yeah. was so exhausted from three games in a week, he actually just made some mistake and let go, and that would just be like that would be too much to take. By the way, do you think he's trying to play himself into another year's contract? Ah, I, I, I'd love to think so. I, I, I think he's gone. It feels like I that. Think, I, 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 I think he's sure. at peace with. Uh, I think by the sounds, he's he's made the decision with his family, hasn't he? He's been so good, though, hasn't it? It would be he can still clearly he can still play at the top level, not every game, but he can still play at this level. So that's the thing. Like, why would you go and put yourself out to pasture when you actually still can play like that? Hmm. An observation I would make, just just um, in the comparison of the two games, Wolves and West Ham. <clears throat> Wolves is a very compact, small pitch in terms of you have to play well in pockets to unlock them. Whereas this is, I know Kevin De Bruyne scored four the other day, but this is very much a Kevin De Bruyne style stadium slash pitch because there's lots of space in behind at the London Stadium. And I almost feel as though on the counter at that does make it more tricky defensively as well, given the nature of their players and, and how they'll try and target us. I can see the point you're making on, on Rodri Steve in terms of wrapping him in cotton wool almost to try and get over the line. Uh, and I can also see the point you're making Liz on Ferner, um, kind of on the Zimmer frame. So it, it's definitely, um, 
I do not envy Pep at all this weekend. So I'm just hoping Laporte can come through and that can almost yes. alleviate a lot of It's a good chance, issues. actually. And it was really bad. It was bad to watch it. But, you know, as I say, knocks are a bit less serious than muscular injuries. It's like when someone gets stitches, you think, oh, they'll just be all right. You know what I mean? It's not, It's like that sort of thing. So it was a nasty knock. But I, I think he, listen, Laporte's not going to want to miss this game. He'll just say he's okay, like all players do. Are you okay to play? Of course I am, boss. You know, that's how they are. You know, they're never going to say, no, 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 I'll sit this one out. Uh, you know, Premier League titles on the line, don't bother. You know, he's going to play. Laporte's going to have to be like the walking wounded, but he will play. We should say as well about the Wolves fans booing him. Um, well, they didn't know what happened. No, but yeah. Players that, listen, that happens everywhere. We do it too. Everybody does that. You know, like a player goes down, you don't really know, unless you're going off on a stretcher. You're not going to get any applause for going off. Yeah. I think the Wolves fans the other night, um, obviously we we were there and, and when Zinchenko, you, you know, in the first half, we didn't have the benefit of replays. We thought that was a cast iron stone wall penalty not given. So I think they had a mentality that they were being mm. very hard done yeah. by, by the referee. Yeah. That doesn't excuse, obviously, booing players. And as you say, Liz, you would hope that they, they didn't have a full understanding no. of what's happened. But um, yeah, they weren't best pleased, the 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 boys from Wolves. Um, so you're not getting off the hook either of you. I want a front three. Um, okay. How, how given the nature of what West Ham are, they're compact defensively, very sound. They've got shades for me of David Moyes' old Everton team now in terms of how they set up defensively. They're good from set pieces. They can make life very difficult for you. Mm. How do you go about combating that from a? By the way, the answer to the question is: I think I would like Grealish, Jesus, and Sterling because I think they are all incredibly, incredibly hard workers. Probably the hardest I workers in the whole squad. So, yeah, I think you've just got to do a lot of work. And um, Grealish, as you say, Steve, completely spot on. I think we are, like, just... Grealish is just, like, gaining that little tiny bit of confidence that he needs to think he actually deserves to be in this team. Mm. So, yeah, definitely. I think uh, that's, that would be my front three. I'm sure that's not what he's going to pick. I'm sure he's going to pick, like, Bernardo, Foden and, you know, Grealish, probably. I, I Well, Jesus... Often start against West Ham. Um, I, I was trying to find it earlier. I ran out of time, but I wanted to go through all the fixtures and see how often he has. But he's he's, he's often a starter against West Ham under Pep. So yeah. I think Jesus will start, and I think mm. uh, Grealish and um, Phil. Possible. I, it's, it's a hard call. I'm going to throw it back to, to you. Recall, um, sorry, Stacey, to yeah. recall Jesus. Is, uh, was his first goal not against West Ham? Might well sorry, it be. Those, FA those, um, game. Yeah, was that the five 0 It was Jesus, Sane, and Sterling, and I just thought, oh my. Yeah, it was when it really clicked one of yeah. Pep's first coming together is when you could see it coming together, wasn't it? So, um, Joe, I want to throw it back to you. What about yourself for a front three? Listen, I thought if you were in the hot chair, you got to duck out of these <laughs> just asked the questions. Um, I've got a feeling, given Mara's played very little, and, and I know I keep going back to the size of the pitch, I, I've got a feeling Mara's will be in me for some reason. Um, yeah. And I think, I think Sterling, he looked a bit jaded at the end. Uh, I know I'm kind of contradicting your point, isn't that? He's, he's kind of the bionic man and he's always fit, but I, I don't know whether the miss is psychologically. We could do him a favour just dropping him out. Um, and he's a good option always to, to run at tired legs, I feel. Um, I forgot about so Morris, you're Morris. right. Maybe, yeah, maybe Morris. He's not been particularly great in the last few he weeks, hasn't. I don't yeah. think. And I think, you know, if you're putting him in because he never loses possession, that's okay. But he, he's a lightweight boy, let's be honest. You know, I mean, can you really imagine? And West Ham are quite a big team, are quite a physically big team. Their defenders yeah. are quite big. He'll get bounced off like he's like he's a child, you know, gone a bouncy castle, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, he's going to get knocked over quite, quite like a gust of wind uh, on Sunday. So I'm, I'm not sure Morris is quite tough enough to do this game. 
I'd back him to turn Cresswell inside and out, though, you see. I think if you can get a yard on Cresswell, he, he is liable, as we've seen with his red card midweek or, or to, to throw in. He's probably the trickiest of the players we've got available to stick on him. Um, That's a good shout, that's yeah. um, So, Mares, um I suppose... It, I'm, I'm backing you both on the shout with Jesus. Um, and... I'm kind of going to go against the grain. I'm going to stick with Foden. Yeah, I, I think he so. strikes me as a big, yeah. big, big game player, isn't he? He's got yeah. a bit of that Kevin about him, and that he's always got that goal in him. You feel where he'll cut in from the left and just smash one in. Um, so yeah, that would be my front three. But I don't envy Pep again. He's, he, this is where he earns his coin, isn't it? At this time of year, he's got a big. Well, we say a big squad. He hasn't. Uh, he's got a group of very talented players, and he's he's got to get it right. He's got a lot of midfielders, um, basically. That's what he's got. <laughs> yes, yes, he does. Um, gonna put it out there and put it on the spot. Does a win this weekend all but seal the title? No. Oh. No, never, no. no. It's not over until the moment has happened. You know, in absolutely never. We've lived through so much, all of us, right? We've lived through so much of thinking we're definitely not going to do this. Aguero, you know, it being a good example of 10 years today, you know, you absolutely have never won it until you've won it. And Liverpool are not going to slip up in the last two games of the season. So, uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's just, you know, three points and then we move on. And Villa, you know, we've got, and poor old Grealish has got to go and do it against his old team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the goal difference is huge. Of course, it is. It's yeah. such a huge factor. Um, and I believe we're going to win the league, but there's not going to be a, a single fibre in my being that's going to think that we've won the league. Should we win it against West Ham? It's just there's a nagging doubt that Liverpool are due some kind of some memorable moment over us because it always seems to be us enjoying it over them. So that that's what I can't kind of um, get rid of. Just this nagging feeling that it could well be, you know, an incredible year for Liverpool. But that's that's just been being pessimistic. Would you not um, subscribe to the theory that Liverpool, obviously, since they last played in the Premier League, when they next play, we'll have played two games. If yes. we touch wood, put six on the board, are they not tempted, given their Champions League final, to put a few of their? Um, I don't think so either. I don't, I don't think they have. I, people always talk about the psychological impact and all this, and Liverpool have played before us, and you know they have this. Uh, you know, we've not, you know, we've been playing after Liverpool for weeks, and our team don't care. Mm. You know, they've not, they've not shown any kind of oh, Liverpool are three points ahead, and it's an advantage for them to be playing four hours before we play, and all this. I don't, Liverpool have got, you know, they'll be absolutely, they're going to beat Chelsea in the final, and they're going to be absolutely bouncing and buzzing to play us in the Premier League. They, they'll never give up. Klopp will never allow it. So we've just got to play our game. I don't think. I mean, fingers crossed, Real will beat them in the Champions League final. They could just end up with the Carabao. Wouldn't that be nice? Let's see what happens. That would be. Frankly, amazing. <laughs> um, the Joe, sweet, sweet Carabao. Joe, hey, listen, don't you know? I'm I'm happy to have it. I'll take anything. You know, I'm not fussy. I've, I've lived a whole life without cups, so I'll take six Carabaos or however many it is with one. I'll, I've been to every single final and loved every minute of it. Yeah, I echo that. What are you going to say, Joe? Uh, yeah, sorry. Just before we can move on, um, Howard has asked us to plug his book, um, which has come out today. Uh, it's called. It's his final book. He says. Uh, and it's to mark for a special anniversary of Night 320. It's called Twelfth Man. So it's a fictional story of a fan's experience as a City supporter during the very real 2011-12 season, showing what it feels like to be a supporter during a campaign that would change City fans' lives forever. It's out in paperback. It's on Amazon. Uh, it's available on Kindle. 
Um, and he says, go check it out, Blues. And I honestly, I can't wait to read it. It's um, yeah, sounds very fever pitchy, and um, it's right up my alley. That so yeah, I'd second that. And obviously, Howard is is a key part of the team here uh, on the podcast, but. What I would say is is a superb writer. So yeah. any blue or, or any football fan for that matter, it's it's a, a day ingrained <coughs> in English football history, um, and he's very good at what he does. So you guys need to check out if you just want to repeat the title again, Steve. Twelfth <coughs> man, and and Howard, I've done it now. So okay, right, I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> Get on it, blues. Get on it. Um. So yeah, just to to um. To come back, we're, we're not content that a big win this weekend wraps up the title. There's still words to be done. What about, weekend. Would you say, would you feel confident, Joe? Would you think that's it? it I mean, when you say a big win, let's say if we win 4 1 or something like that and we re- increase our goal difference even greater, then yeah, the likelihood is it's ours. But if it's a 1 0 win and that goal difference is still, you know, in that kind of 7 8 mark, then oh, I don't know. This could be the one we draw, by the way. We could draw this one and have to be... Yeah. yeah. So, you know... Yeah. Oh, that uh, would be typical City, by, yeah. by everything we know, that we're going to have to go into Well, we saw game. the return just... of city artists, didn't we, in Madrid? Oh, God. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not going to get back into that therapy <laughs> session. That was really, really a good therapy session we had last week, though, wasn't it? It was. Um, so honestly, what I, w- I always try and play devil's advocate. If if I was a Liverpool supporter, um, God forbid, uh, and I watched City win this weekend, I can't lie, it would deflate me slightly. In that y- you're on, it's not over because if anyone knows, ten year anniversary, it- it's us. <laughs> but um, you're looking at it realistically against a well oiled City machine with Pep and and what we've achieved over the years, and you're thinking six points in front. Um, with probably what would you'd imagine be a vastly superior goal difference, um, it's not looking good, is it? But I, I know to, to back up what Liz said, Klopp is an extremely professional. What he's done there, you can never <coughs> understate. Um, the players at that club have a fantastic mentality, like our own, as we saw at Villa midweek, where they managed to get over the line, running on fumes almost. So no, I'd, I, it's not over. Realistically, you can't. With, with this team we're competing against, you can't settle until it's over the line and confirmed. Yeah. I also think that's how Liverpool operate really well. I'm not sure that they... I do know a couple of Liverpool fans, they are decent people, honestly. And they basically they never quite believed they were going to do it because they've never really been like properly ahead. They always felt like we'd come back. So I think it, it suits them to actually be the kind of thing, you know, the, the, the comeback kids and the sort of under, the so-called underdogs. That sort of suits their mentality. It's easier to do that. It's harder to lead. It's much harder. Yeah, I agree. Psychologically, 100%. Um, just to move on then, I think it would be a miss not to, to mention a player that I've always had a lot of admiration for, uh, for the opposition, who's handled himself with a lot of class and dignity over the years in Mark Noble. Mm. Um, I think he, he made his West Ham debut around 2004-05, so he's been there a very long time. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he had one spell away on loan. Uh, but other than that, he's he's been at West Ham his whole career. He's been a great servant to them. Um, very tidy, technically gifted player. And it's going to be his last game for them at the weekend mm. at home. Um, <clears throat> just wanted to touch on, on the kind of... I know it's technically not a, a one-man club job, but he was only on loan early in his career. Um, it's a bit of a dying breed, isn't it, at the top? top level in the game uh, yeah. and someone who 
probably you could argue would have been appreciated play, more playing in in abroad. I would say, given his technical abilities. But how, mm. how do you? Um, what do you guys think? I'll start with you, Liz. I think he's a really. Uh, I think he's a really classy player. He seems to be a classy person as well um, as a leader. And there's quite you know as you say you know one club men are really quite rare these days. I mean you'd like to think you know it's not the end and you know there will be players who come and do it. But um, he's also you know one of the greatest penalty takers I've ever seen. So I think yeah. if then if anyone gets a if anyone does anything stupid at the back on Sunday, he'll rifle hit the emotion. Imagine the emotion of watching Noble score a penalty against us. I mean, the whole crowd would go absolutely mad. So I think uh, you know, I'm not sure how old he is. He's in his early thirties. He must be. Oh God, yeah, I'd say I guess at thirty five, thirty four, thirty. Oh, is he that old? No, I think he's. Uh, I think he'll probably just the kind, just the kind of guy you can imagine going into management for sure. Yeah, I was thirty five. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he'll be a good manager. Probably be a manager for West Ham in about five years, probably. Born in Canning Town, yeah. of course he was. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's Mr. He is. West Ham, isn't he? He's Mr. East End, yeah. you know. He's everything he about him. He's, it's yeah. I, I think about three, four years ago, um, there was a genuine shout for him to be kind of um, you know fully established England international, mm. and for whatever reason, that just didn't happen. And, and it was unfortunate because he, he was deserving. Um, I think in maybe in if. Um, being a bit mischievous here, maybe in a season or two's time, we could be looking back on Mark Noble and being really grateful because of his mentoring of Declan Rice, future yeah. Manchester <laughs> City captain. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, and, and that was one of his you know, greatest achievements, basically. Uh, for several seasons, he played alongside Rice, brought him through, and now, obviously, he's been usurped by, by him. And, um, but, yeah, it's been an incredible career. And like you say, it's so rare these days to see a one-club man... Um, Go, go check out his um, speech at the Players Awards ceremony from last week. Um, and he just cries on a couple of occasions. You can see what it means to him. And, and yeah, all power to him. He's one of the good guys. He is one of the good guys. Just reading his stats, 548 games, 62 wow. goals for West Ham. <laughs> I mean, that's some service, isn't it? Uh, definition of the local boy done good. Um, I think um, just to touch on it, you, you mentioned it there. Um you get these players, don't you, that have these, you know, long, winding, very good careers who don't seem to ever get a, a sniff with, with England. Steve Bruce is another one who yeah. comes to mind. Palace um, as well. Yeah. Um, it's an odd one, isn't it? That That's really, really weird, though. Those are both two like two of the greatest defenders in Premier League history. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, it's about a manager, it's about personality, isn't it? Sometimes, you know, a manager doesn't fancy you. If a manager doesn't fancy you, he's almost never going to change his mind, you know? Yeah. I think it was must in the Graham Taylor era, probably, was it? Yeah. Yeah, just after. Who, who came after? Maybe it was Robson, maybe it was it. Uh, 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 Venables was mid 90s, oh, wasn't it? Yeah, so, yeah. But Venables had, oh, it was Tony Adams and Sol Campbell. Um, yeah. There was there was some very good centre backs knocking around back then, but you know there was a lot of logic in just playing Palace and Bruce, wasn't there? Yeah, for absolutely. Yeah. They were great. Well, they pale in comparison. I mean, no, oh, nobody, nobody at United now even even comes close to those great players. Well, Dolly and Daisy, as uh, Ferguson used to call them. <laughs> That's great. What about Sir, Sir Harry Maguire? Are you not putting well, him on that? On I that call it. I call it. I, I call him the eighty-pound clogger. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Less said about him, the better, I think. Yeah. You know, long may he continue. Long may but he continue to be said, Maguire's good for England. I'm just, you know, as, yeah, he's all right. yeah, but you know why? That's because he's got stones by the side of him. Yes. yes. Yeah, very good point. Sir John Stones, Barnsley yeah. number five. Um, I think 
Yeah, so, so just to recap on that, I think Mark, great career for Mark Noble. I hope he has a fantastic send-off, just not against us, and in his final game next week. Oh, I, um, I hope he has an absolute stinker. <laughs> yeah. I hope I he starts and gives the ball away. Every yeah, time. I know, I mean, is he going to play? He's 35. No, Would he, you really play him against City? I wouldn't. I think he's going to come on with about 10 minutes to go, I think. Yeah, Do you reckon? See, I, I, think, I think he'll start giving West Ham pretty much can't really go up or down can I mean they can't in place of who he's not going to start in place of Declan Rice is he no basically his fitness levels are such now noble where he can't you know kind of like so even if he started be you know subbed on the hour mark so but I I think he's going to come on late on Uh, to an an amazing ovation as well yeah probably it's it's really it's actually good to do that rather than to start you know if he comes on to a great ovation that's a lovely moment for him yeah yeah um Okay, I think there was a lot of media reports yesterday, um, starting with, we'll start with the new boy, who's not even through the door, and they're already reports. I know, I don't, is he, is he, it's amazing to actually think we're talking about him, everyone doing, people are doing celebrations dedicated to him, and even perhaps talking about him, and he's not, where is he, where's the shirt, put him in the shirt, and then I'll believe it. Hmm. I know. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see if, uh, is it Dortmund's season ends this weekend, I believe? Yeah. So we could yeah. well see him. I mean, maybe I'm being an internal optimist, but we could well see him unveiled on the pitch um, versus Aston Villa. I mean, the club haven't actually confirmed it on the website either. No, they're playing it very politically correct, aren't they, and safe. Uh, but I think it's everything to do in with, the case it's done, isn't it? Isn't it Dortmund being a public limited company or something? So City oh, really? can't... Yeah, it has to be them who announce it, I think. Oh, that's interesting. But, yeah. I did not know that. I read um, a very funny article about him yesterday. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Josh King, who was the Watford player, who's also Norwegian, who also mm. plays with him for, for the club. He discussed his eating habits, and he said that he basically he eats like a bear. That's how he described meat, it. Just basically, like chicken. He copies Ronaldo. Apparently, he had a conversation with Evera saying Ronaldo just eats chicken and fish. <laughs> And no, like, there's no, you know, like a vegetable. And he just, no like, apparently, he's just, yeah, yeah, no, none at all. So he's like, he's just like a, like the Terminator. He's like a machine who just puts food into his body like six times a day. What a remarkable person. <clears throat> just eats his teammates who don't square the ball to him. <laughs> yeah, basically, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I wanted to touch on, um, it appears, I think it's James Ducker last night, and there's obviously a piece in build that one of the fundamental aspects for any of his suitors who was to land him was like he was to have a release clause in his contract. I think taking City out of the equation, just looking at it from a purely player perspective, he is clearly very well um, advised and, and he gets good contracts and puts himself in positions of strength. How do we feel as City fans that he's potentially got this? It appears to be up between 150 and 200 million either euros or pounds release clause. Um, that was key to him signing with any club. I think that's extremely leave? normal, isn't it? It's just yeah. extremely normal. Of uh, I'm sure Mbappe's got one. I'm sure Neymar's got one. It's just, you know, I mean, I'd like it to be 200, but, you know, 150 is not to be sneezed at. And I do think he was incredibly well advised until that whole weekend at Bernie's thing happened uh, with Raiola, who died and then didn't die and then did die. That was absolutely... I mean, you know, may his dear soul rest in peace, but what was that all about? That was amazing. So now that the Raiola organisation is lacking its um, figurehead, uh, let's see how well advised he is going forward because, you know, the actual great advisor is no longer with us. I think what I would say as well is City will always back themselves to renegotiate if things are going well after 12 to 18 months. Yeah, yeah. Time and, and Real time Madrid again. fans are, they're like, oh, he's coming, you know, he's only going to be with you for two or three years, you're just this stepping stone and all this. Like, no one knows anything. 
You know, nobody knows anything about football. The guy, the guy is either going to love his city or he's just not going to fit in. And if he doesn't fit in, he's worth a lot of money. And if he if he fits in, he'll stay forever. Hmm. Love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. How do you see it, Steve? Pretty much what Liz said. That ended on there. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of you know if he doesn't fit in, which is kind of inconceivable given his kind of stature, his kind of you know his levels. Then yeah, we can still get you know a lot of money for him. But if it does work out, he'll. He'll love it at City. I mean, the evidence is is all there. You know, we've seen it with Sergio, we've seen it with David, we've seen it with Yaya, we've seen it with Vinny. When players come to City, they're well looked after and they win trophies and they enjoy their professional life and their private life. And yeah, I may be proven wrong and he may be dead set on going to Madrid in three or four years' time. Uh, and if he does, we'll be getting an awful lot of money for him. So... And then we'll just buy the next Harland. <laughs> but, I'm, just as, I'm honestly yeah, just as excited but, about Alvarez. Yes, I can't Do you know what I mean? Like, it sounds ridiculous that no one's even mentioning this kid who looks absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and I think he's, isn't he older? Is he older than Harland? Like a couple, like a year or two older? He's a year maybe. older, I think. But he's, um, I mean, you know, Harland's just, he's got to be, it's actually Harland, not Harland. I, 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 I'm not I changing keep, it, Liz. I've, I've decided. Oh. I, 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 I said it on the podcast. Yeah, that's because you say Cancello. I mean, you know, that's <laughs> that, you know come on. <laughs> uh, no, I think, you know, Harland, uh, he's got to do the work. And if he's, he more be up for doing it otherwise he wouldn't be coming so you know everyone's got to do the work at City it's not some sort of glamorous thing where you just you stand on the edge of the box and whack the ball and that's just not you know Pep won't he, he demands more from everybody and Harlan must be up for that kind of he must be up for that kind of work he has to be otherwise he won't be coming who was that co-commentator who always used to mispronounce footballers names Oh God, there's so many. Hoddle well, gets them all gets them all wrong. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm basically this pod's Hoddle, and I'll just kind of this is what <laughs> I'm, I'll have me to get players' names wrong. You need to, oh, what you need is like you need it phonetically written on a piece of paper. <laughs> yes. That's what you need. Paul Merson's my favourite, but I wouldn't do that to you. Oh God, no, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. I, had, um, I had a horrible feeling it was going to be David Pleat, and I was like, oh, I don't want to be this pod's David Pleat. They're all terrible. Yeah. McManaman's yeah, absolutely terrible. Oh, McManaman's so so bad. Every, I, I'm hoping that there's a sort of no McManaman option every time I watch BT Sport, but he's always there, isn't he? I've developed yeah. uh, an unhealthy oh. dislike of Andy Hinchcliffe. I mean, un- unhealthy. He's always been there, but now it's, it's I can't listen to him. It's, he. he- is the definition of, or the definition of someone who needs to be taught like less is more. Yeah. You know, to, to talk for, for the full game to get your point across, you're there to give sound bites. And what also doesn't happen is, is when he's commentating on the likes of Lionel Messi and picking out fours in their game. Yeah. <laughs> as if he was this incredibly gifted footballer. And he was a good player, but Jesus. Um, <laughs> last, last one. Um, there's been a, f- a few reports uh, re- regarding Pet's future and that he's potentially <coughs> going to look to see how, how his relationship is with the players and staff next year before committing to a new deal at the end of his contract. I personally don't believe that for a second and reckon it no. will be signed, sealed and delivered going into next season. Um, obviously, there's been a few bits and pieces floating around online that it may well already be done, but Liz, do, do you buy it? Do you think what Pep says is true and he's going to wait until this time next year before renewing or do you reckon it's... It's just placating to the media and what he does with City are two completely separate things. Well, I do think, you know, you've got to remember our manager has a little bit of a sort of funny streak to him, you know. He's got a little bit of eccentricity, a little bit of surrealism baked into his character. So he quite likes to say things that he feels exactly at that moment. And he absolutely, he's ne- he would never lie. When he says it at the moment, oh, I need to see how I feel. Oh, I've got to see how happy I am. 
he, yeah, he's absolutely telling the truth. I don't think there's any chance of him leaving, and I don't think Colin would have signed a contract if he thought that Pep wasn't going to be there. I mean, let's be honest, these players don't come for the Manchester reign, do they? They come to play with Guardiola, they come to play for him. So there's no way anyone's going to come and if he's actually going. I think he's incredibly happy in Manchester, but it's not some sort of brinkmanship thing. Oh, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to sign, and therefore the offer of money. No, he's just, he's just, you know, he's just a slightly eccentric guy who says exactly what he thinks on any given day. Yeah, I agree. And I think like you've both just pointed out the likes of Alvarez would have wouldn't have been sort of suitors from Spain, etc. either, would he? So I think it's fair to say that <clears throat> in my opinion, uh there's a few more happy years. Oh yeah. Super oh yeah, he's definitely gonna yeah. stay. I don't know how long for, I hope another decade. I mean he actually says things like that, doesn't he? Oh, you know, I'm so happy I could stay for another ten years. You know, that's what he's like. He's a he's a slightly he likes to mess around with people a little tiny bit. He was very funny last week when he was talking about Han and he's just like smiling saying, I can't. I can't hmm. talk about it. I wanna talk about it, but I've been told I can't talk about it. You know, he's very funny actually. Yeah. He's a very dry, sort of underrated co- comedian, our manager. Yeah, like a naughty schoolboy at times. I want to talk about it, but I've been informed <coughs> by the bosses that I can't. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good place to um, to wrap it up, guys. So thank you both very much. Interesting pod. Oh, we um, should talk about the statue before we go. The statue got We should, today. actually. How, how dare I? Very good point. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, it's the it's the 13th, uh, 13th of May. My God. Yes, this is hot off the press. Um, so I'm sure <laughs> people listening now will, will have seen the images. It's it's similar. Is it Andy Scott, the designer, um, think, yeah. who who also did the um, Vincent Company and David Silver statues? Um, I'm a big fan of it. I've seen it. It's obviously struck in, in the pose of, of after he just scored VQPR. Uh, we're off to celebrate. Uh, have you guys seen it? I take it you Yeah, I just I saw, saw it cool. this morning and it is, um, I really like the style of it. I mean, this is like going to turn into like art review or something, but it is sort of a, uh, the way, you know, like normally statues outside football club, they're just a statue, you know, normal, yeah. you know, a rendering, just like the one of, you know, Queen Victoria outside the, you know, the, the Lord, Ma- you know, the uh, town hall. But I think that this sort of this style, this particular silver sort of uh, you know boxy style, is really beautiful. I'm not sure the face looks exactly like him, but faces are very very hard to get right. Indeed, indeed. I think um, what I like is and, and what the word on the street is that they're doing these excuse me they're doing these statues in different generations. So, for example, the modern generation have got the modern. Andy Scott treatment, uh, and that, that they're planning on doing an unveiling of Belly and Summerby in a traditional statue mold. Right. Um, which I'm a big fan of. Yeah. Because obviously it harks back to the, the different eras, and that's very cool in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I like the statues when they're lit up in blue at, yeah. at night. For sure. Because of the way they're designed, they just look brilliant. Um, it's done a lot of, of sculptures all over the UK, hasn't he, Andy, Andy Scott? Some of the famous ones, um, specifically in Scotland and areas like that. So, yeah. Adds a bit of life to the stadium, doesn't it? What uh, do you think, Steve? They're beautiful. I just think they're absolutely beautiful. And, um, yeah, there's not a lot to add, really, apart from just aesthetically, they're beautiful, and what they mean is a beautiful thing as well. And this, the video yeah. was really good of Sergio. He's just, he's very, very touched by all this sort of thing. He's very moved. And, um, you know, I can't imagine how that feels to have a statue of yourself outside the stadium. It's just, must, must, must feel absolutely incredible, you know. Um, um did you guys was, uh, see the video of, um, Sergio talking to Carlos Tevez and then? No, uh, not yes. yet. Oh, it was so it's, good. Oh, it's, it's brilliant. So okay. But the Does chat- Tevez gets on my nerves a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Tevez, oh, you'll love I find it, him quite annoying. 
they were doing like a Zoom call thing, or I think they're watching a. I think they're watching a game together online, but um, they're in two different places, chatting online, and then um, Carlos goes to the loo. And Sergio just totally slags on him. And then when he comes back, just says the complete opposite of what he's just said, you know, in his absence. <laughs> At least he's only winding him up, but it's brilliant. That's very funny. Yeah, Sergio, yeah. all the players always say, because, you know, he didn't speak English so well for so many, so long, but all the players always said Sergio is like the funniest guy in the dressing room. And you can really see that. You yeah. can see he's actually just, ve- he's just like, he's very, very funny. Yeah, I think he spoke English a lot better than he let on. Yeah, well, same with Tavis. Tavis was the same, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would do the same though. <laughs> if yeah. I was playing in, in a Spanish league, you know, and it's a, it's a way out of your media duties, almost, isn't it? I never forgave Tevez for all that for that golf holiday, and um, yeah. I felt it felt when we won the uh, the FA Cup in twenty eleven, it felt it felt kind of tainted, honestly, uh, that Tevez held the cup instead of company. So that's why twenty twelve is another reason why it's so incredibly important to me because Tevez's behaviour throughout all that disappearing to South, I didn't like all that. I don't I don't like drama. Lads. I'm not a big fan of the draw. I know everyone loves Mario, but like, I just, you know, I like boring players. Like, that's why I love Kevin so much, because he's at heart quite a dull man. And I really, really love that. I absolutely love it. And that that tweet afterwards, what did he say? Like, four, four goals, three points, and one new football for my children. Yes. I just yes. thought, yeah, you're so dull. I just love you. You're never going to be like falling out of a nightclub or you're never going to be in trouble. You know, I just like his slightly dull, you know, his slight Belgian dullness is one of the things I love the most about him. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. Professionalism first. <laughs> yeah. uh, the odd one sprinkled in to make it a bit interesting. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you never, you never want a um, no a full team of them. Do you? Never, no. Oh, you never want a man. situation. No, no, no. Our neighbours. Imagine a team of Balotelli. I know. It'd be a horrendous. No, no, no. You don't want. No. You want guys who just do the work. You don't want sort of a drama queen who's going to like set his bathroom on fire. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, and. Um, Happy ninety three twenty to everyone. I find it incredible why it's been 10 years. Uh, mm. I stand by it firmly. It's the greatest moment in English football history. Uh, I don't think it'll ever be surpassed, and I certainly hope it won't be, unless it's by City themselves. But I highly doubt it will be. So fantastic memories from a fantastic club and a fantastic player. So thank you for everyone for listening. Uh, plenty of content to come today on this very special day for the club. And as always, up the blues.